Greetings, Kapla, and welcome everyone to our fan cast, where an adventurous rocket scientist, a Star Trek girl, and a sci-fi wingnut take an away team excursion from the Star Trek series Strange New Worlds and talk about the finale season of Star Trek Picard. We are super excited to geek out and talk about the show, so let's gear up, assume our stations, and hit it. I am the Ensign Row of the Strange New Worlds fan cast. My name is SP, and joining me is the commander of the USS Laris. Her name is Captain Bubbles. USS Laris. I want to be the captain, yes. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And our fearless organizational empire builder, the head of Section 35, his name is Commander Jake. He forgot. <laughs> Just call me Clinger. Never going to let you live that down, man. We have watched what I will term as an epic episode full of epicness. It is Picard season three, episode three. It is directed by Jonathan Frakes. Y'all know him. Do you want me to tell you a little bit about Jonathan Frakes? Let us have it. I think he's directed a tad bit of Star Trek before. Oh, yeah. He, he did a lot of Strange New Worlds. He's done a lot of Discovery. He has 46 directing credits starting in 1990, which includes. Eight episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, three episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, three episodes of Star Trek Voyager, a movie called First Contact, a movie called Insurrection, a movie called Thunderbirds, well, maybe not so great there, but Thunderbirds, Bill Paxton, gotta like it, an episode of Dollhouse, an episode of V, the new one, not the old one, five episodes of Burn Notice, y'all watch Burn Notice? Have. Little bits here and there. Eh, one of my favorite, just campy, cheesy TV series. One episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I have covered him before over on my podcast, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Three episodes of Falling Skies, two episodes of The Orville, which I consider a Trek series. I don't know about you guys. It's a better Trek series than Discovery is. <laughs> I've never watched it. It's interesting that you mention that, Jake, because he has directed seven episodes of Discovery. I knew he did that. He did a better job on Orville. And then six episodes of Picard, starting in season one with Absolute Candor, Stardust, City Rag, in season two, Fly Me to the Moon, and Two of One, and in season three, 17 seconds, and next week's episode, No Win Scenario, a little bit more about that later. The episode was written by Jane Meggs, who has several writing credits, including four episodes of Anne with an E, three episodes of The Man Who Fell to Earth. Five episodes of Star Trek Picard, including season two, episode four, Watcher, season two, episode six, two of one, season two, episode seven, Monsters, season three, episode three, 17 seconds, and season three, episode seven, which for now remains untitled. She was joined by Cindy Appel, who has one writing credit of Desperate Housewives, four writing credits of MacGyver, and five episodes of Picard, including Fly Me to the Moon, two of one. Season two, episode eight, Mercy, this episode, and season three, episode five, Imposter. So we have some people that have worked together before. Clearly Star Trek fans. And clearly a Star Trek-y Star Trek episode. To me, this was the best we've seen. So This felt like a movie to me. The cinematic, the music, I loved every second of it. It was wonderfully set up with the whole 17 seconds that was beautifully set up with their bar scene when Riker is talking about Thaddeus. And then it happened to Picard. They thought it might happen. It happened to Picard. And it wasn't until tonight after my fourth viewing that it was like, oh, my God, that's the same turbo lift. That is the same exact the same 17 exact ship. Uh -huh. yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, that was just beautiful the way it was set up. I loved what Riker said to Picard, and you knew it was going to turn on its head. He said, I hope one day you have this feeling too, nothing like it. I'm like, ooh, that didn't plan out well. Yeah, they were definitely setting it up. Because it took me my second showing, too, to realize that also, it realized, oh, that's what the 17 seconds mean. 
that's where we are. He's talking about the turbo lift and how long it took him to get from that bridge down to that sick bay. It was pretty epic. Can we talk about how awesome it is that Crusher, even though she doesn't understand any of the new technology, is still throwing people out of out of somebody else's sick bay? Did you see how does she just like push the other doctor over? Like, you know, I'm coming in. <laughs> Dr. Oak, she's like, yeah, I would take me longer to explain to you what happened in the last 20 years than. And like, honey, this is Dr. Crusher. This is Dr. Crusher. She knows her stuff. Get out of the way. She just like a boulder rope. This part is completely besides the point, but as a considering the fact that it's the profession that I'm in, I couldn't help but notice Gates McFadden has had a lot of work done. Really? Yes. I, on her face, on her cheeks, on her nose. She's had a rather intense facelift. Honestly, I thought she was always pretty. And it's disappointing when you have beautiful women that feel the need to do that. And then later on, they don't look the same and it's not the same. She's still pretty. Well, she didn't have what I would call a bad facelift, but there's no question of the sun that she's been stretched. Yeah, on her, on her, you could tell on her cheekbones. Now, I mean, we're we're not going, um, you know, Star Trek Insurrection where they've got it stapled <laughs> to the forehead or anything like that. <laughs> I don't think it looks bad, but you can definitely. She's not Madonna, right? She's not Madonna. Oh God, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I think she's still pretty. I think she's still beautiful. I won't argue with that, but at the same time, it was. I, I'm actually kind of at this point because having seen pictures of her for, uh, in the previews and stuff of that nature, it's going to be curious to see the difference between her and Marina Sirtis. I don't think Marina's had any of it done. Exactly. Yeah, we already saw her a little bit. Well, you saw her in season one of, of Picard, but she hasn't. No, she was in this episode. She was talking to Will Riker in 10 Forward. Yes, but you didn't have a clear vision of her. It wasn't clear. Not only that, but everybody had been de-aged by 20 years. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I was paying attention to her because any woman that's <laughs> complaining about not having her hair brushed in 72 hours and have had projectile vomit in Get some place the, the kid should never be. Yeah, I'm going to pay attention to her. And oh, by the way, did Will ever bring the whiskey? No, he did not. He did not. He left it. I'm sure she got home later. I'm sure he was smart enough to pick up a full bottle on his way. That's a smart thing to do. Yep, she looked like she was not having it. <laughs> I would have just taken it right from the bar right there. But he had some epic moments in this. It was directed by him, and I would normally say like he was trying to steal scenes and everything. No, there is so much layered in here that I think every single scene was just impactful. When I was first watching this, it started off with like after the initial action three very slow scenes and you're like oh my gosh it's going to be one of those episodes but it wasn't it was keeping your attention and it was talking about really impactful things so i think this was a great episode even with all those slow dialogue intensive scenes well i could tell you that i i have never been a deep space nine fan and i had to go back and study it i'm like what the heck are they talking what is a changeling i didn't know that i didn't know it i'm not a fan of d space nine i'm just saying i watched it for this yeah when jack punched the uh the guy out and his face went a little fluid yeah. i was I, I my first thought was it's a founder i was wondering whether or not they were going to go with some sort of like nanite new technology or something of that nature but the moment they the guy started to twitch that when Worf had him, it was kind of like, no, no, we're going back to the founders. This is awesome. Okay, so Worf, because he was on Deep Space Nine, he knows what they are. That's why he was yes. there. Okay. Not only that, he's friends with one of them. Odo, right? Yes. All right, so I'm telling you, I was never, I never watched it. So I had to go back and do some homework. I'm like, what the heck are they talking about? But now I understand the whole Dominion War is talking about the changelings. Yes. Got it. The changelings were referred to as the founders. They were the despotic godlike heads of the dominion and apparently there is a splinter faction of them that is not pleased with the fact that they surrendered so do we think valdic is oh yes i think if you want to get grand strategic here we've already hit all the hot spots Sella is working with lore who they actually that's tasha's daughter okay that's who they stole it was lore and they're working with vadic and the changelings as well. Just boom, 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 boom. Yes! I called it with the Odo changelings. <laughs> you know, you did call it. I just didn't really understand what you were calling at the moment because I had to go back and do my history. But now that I understand it, yes. But so what would be the connection? Why do we have the changelings in Bacard? 
Uh, it's just a villain that, that that you haven't seen him have anything to do with really yet before. I think it has something to do with those episodes in TNG and the DNA. I honestly do. I think they... Which is why Beverly mentioned the word DNA. Well, here's a, a thought process is the, one of the reasons why they want Jack. They don't really want Jack. They want Picard's DNA. Yep. And considering the fact that Picard is no longer technically human. Right. They can't use him. Exactly. So they need, in order to get his, his DNA, they, what they need is Jack. And not everybody knows that he's not technically human anymore. I don't. But Vedic mentioned it quite specifically. So that makes sense because they don't need him because his blood is no longer the same. So they're trying to make little baby. <laughs> so Shannon, let me ask you this. You said you didn't care very much for Jack Picard. He has actually gotten a lot of character development. He had that moment on the quarter where Riker is telling him, you need to own it and give the crew a reason to feel good about it, that you're here. I didn't like him the first two. He's getting better. Yeah. But then again, I'm, I'm shedding off the character he played in Outlander. He was not a good character. So, but he's a good actor, right? I love how he, I love how he figured it out and I loved how he went to Seven in her quarters. Man, when he punched the guy and she's like, you're insane. <laughs> well, you're insane. That was a pretty good line. <laughs> that brought up a moment that we've had some back channel communications on. So I'm not going to let that go. We are going to talk about it. We are going to talk about Seven's heels. Yes. <laughs> Look, ever since um, uh, Joel Schumacher and Batman putting Batgirl in heels, I've had this thing about why do they insist on assuming that a woman in a combat situation is going to want to be in heels? I've never been in heels when I've had work. Nope. Even in a non-combat situation, you know, go back to Jurassic World running from a T-Rex in spike heels. I mean, wouldn't you think you'd kick those off? Now, at the same time, I don't know. I've never actually personally worn heels before. For all I know, they were very comfortable heels. It just doesn't seem to make sense. Well, I can tell you from experience or not, and I would rather have my combat boots when I'm not working. Honestly, every day. Let's take a moment. They weren't just heels. They were platform heels, right? There's a lot of space in those heels to conceal anything. Weapons, extra parts. He pulls a phaser out of the heel. I'll own that one. <laughs> I'm impressed. Some personal items. We'll just leave it at that. And last but not least, I'm going to go there, Jake. Rocket jets. I knew you're going to. Oh, I knew, God, I knew no. we're going here. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Yes. I object to this because it's any remotely close to represent to a uh, reference to Star Trek five with Spock with his rocket boots. No, I refuse. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Was Star Trek five a good movie? No, we will all agree with that. But without Star Trek five, y'all don't get that great villain that you had in season one of Strange New Worlds. Okay, true, but no. No, what? <laughs> you need Star Trek V in order to get the Cybok and then his pirate wife, who Sean is in love with. Well, she's hot, so. Now, if we, if we really want to go here, Sarek has not really had good luck with his children. You know, he, he his adopted his daughter got... His skills kind of suck. Well, his, <laughs> his adopted daughter got flung into the future. His first son was what their society would be considered a psychotic criminal. And his second son just hated his guts through and through. As much as a Klingon can hate Parenting anybody's guts. Skills. I'm still trying to get over the fact that we didn't hear about Spock's sister until Discovery. And we'll never hear about it again, really. It's one of those last minute things that they added. I know. It just, it's like, uh, I get being a guy who actually watched the original series when it was on, yes, I am that old. I just, I don't know if I can get there from here. That's just my personal problem. It was one of those things that wasn't even necessary. You could say that she was raised by Vulcans without it having been Sarah. But they had to make a connection between the show that they had started and, and make a discovery. But even then, it actually would, it would have made good story sense because... Rather than her being brother and sister with Spock, what she has is a sense of identification because she's a human raised by Vulcans who will never think she's smart enough. And he's half human dealing with a lot of the same things. I honestly don't know why they connected together, but I'm glad it gave a strange new worlds. Yeah. But, okay. Because I will agree and, and I'll follow SP's line of logic because 
without that, you don't get Spock in Discovery. Without Spock in Discovery, you don't get the uh, reintegration of the Enterprise, and you don't get Strange New Worlds. So it's necessary. It's like over in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, nobody likes Thor The Dark World. Nobody. Nobody likes it. Yet it is absolutely positively necessary for that whole thing to come together. It's a little thing that Feige did to twist and say, yeah. But once again, you could have just found a redstone somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Go figure. All right, let's get back to Trek. Let's get back. We had the big reveal last time of Jack Crusher being Picard's son. We never got a conversation between Beverly and Jean-Luc. It was just the. Oh, we get it. We, We got it now. Yeah. What did you guys think? They were both blaming each other. I can tell you, as a woman, and I know sometimes. I'm just going to rant for a second. I know that sometimes the court systems are packed against you guys, but I am not on her side on this. I don't think the excuses that she had to not tell him were good enough not to tell him. I understand what she's trying to protect. But she could have said a sublink or something. 20 years is a long time without telling somebody that they have a son. I think that was crap excuses. And I love Beverly. I do. I love her, but that was some hard stuff to swallow i completely agree with that i also if you're the court and you're thinking of the best interests of the kid and you're thinking of the best interest of jack crusher she's not wrong jean Luc has a lot of enemies she's not wrong not only is is she not wrong but you also have to look at her personal history she laid it out for you her first husband was killed by starfleet her parents her husband She's lost her son. Her oldest son, though, though, isn't dead, definitely just left and went off into God knows where. And then she's looking at Picard, who she's now pregnant from, and going, this guy is so dedicated that it's only a matter of time before something kills him. I get what she's talking about. She's not wrong. She's not wrong of the reasons why she was laying it out for him. Every time I try to come tell you, every time I want to say Someone's putting a phaser to your head. Someone's blowing things up. Someone's kidnapping. I get all of that. But again, 20 years is a long time. And he wasn't obviously having phasers put to his head for the entire 20 years because he retired. I'll also go against my own argument. We are talking about a woman who had no hesitation to take and even at one point leave her son on the Enterprise. True. For a whole year. Exactly. Dude had an apartment all by himself on the Enterprise D. (laughs) He was rocking it. So it's not like this would be the first time that she's managed to put her child in mortal danger and through Starfleet. So it's going to be interesting to see now. I mean, I liked, like we were talking about earlier, the whole 17 seconds where he came down the turbulent. And I like the fact that they were both standing over him. Card finally got that sense of fatherhood. Again, because on TNG, he had that episode where he became a father when he got lost and you know he had two little kids so the whole reason for her well you didn't want to you didn't want to start a family yeah but he did and now he's here and i just where's laura's when i need her do you think <laughs> do you think that moment in the med bay when jack is resuscitated and they look at each other and they are completely relieved do you think that they are able at that moment on to put aside their differences and their discussion that they had earlier and move on with a non-romantic yet parental relationship with each other. I think he'll, I think Picard will forgive her. I do. And I think she, I don't know. I, I would assume that she would try to reconnect with him. I know I'm kind of jumping to the end here, but this has already thrown Picard enough to through a loop that he has managed to get himself thrown off the Enterprise, uh, not not the Enterprise, off the, the bridge. off the bridge by Riker. Now, yes, let's talk about Riker because he is dealing with stuff too. Yes, but Picard's decision making is a tad bit off at the moment. It's a bit skewed. So is Riker's. Matter of fact, oh, absolutely. The only one that I think has sound decision making right now, and we've bashed him so far, is Captain Shaw. He's actually thinking about commanding well. He's like, okay, I'm injured. My first officer is confined to quarters. I have nobody else on the bridge that can take this ship. The only one qualified is Will Riker. I'm going to give it to Will Riker. And then he goes down to the med bay 
And he's like, I need to figure out what's going on. And he gets Jack to figure out what's going on. Shaw is actually. That was a good moment. I love the, the scene. Doing great things. Yeah. You also keep seeing something in it goes going back to the end credits where they're talking about his performance review. Who's? Shaw's. Captain Shaw's, Shaw's performance review. It, going into our basic theory of maybe there's a show about the Titan coming up later, you could imagine that he stays captain, Seven stays as first officer, and the two of them have to learn to work together. At this point, I would agree with that. Last week, I would have said no. At this week, I think it's possible. However, I don't think Todd Stashwick is going to stay around too much longer. I don't think he will stay as captain. I think if, any, if, I think if we have a spinoff at all, I don't know if we would have the entire TNG cast. I would hope so, but I think Seven is going to become the captain of that ship. Yeah, I think Todd is going to go off and work on Admiral Jellicoe's staff. I did find out that <laughs> Jellicoe made Admiral. Well, I went to Memory Wiki and I figured out that he was made an Admiral in Lower Decks. So he still is in Trek lore as an Admiral. Well, I also think that LaForge's daughter. I mean, the whole reason she came and made and, and stopped by Seven's quarters and talked to her and said, hey, I'm, I'm your friend. I'm going to, you know, I'm here for you. The whole reason they would do a speech like that is to give you a preview of what's to come. And I think if Seven were to take over, I think LaForge would have been right there with her. I think. And we've seen we've seen a commercial. We've um, we've seen a preview where they're all sitting in a line together. And you see the preview where Jordy's talking to his daughter. Why is this so important to you? Because it's it's not your family. She goes, well, no, but he's got two daughters in this show. I know. Oh, okay. I know. But but that the one that drives, the one that's on the bridge. Okay. I hadn't seen any footage with the two of them. I'd seen footage with his other daughter. So that's unlike your daughter, Shannon, who cannot drive. Thank God. <laughs> She's asking already, too. I'm like, slow down. Slow your roll. You just turned 13. You don't need a car and you have in mind. Hey, I taught my little brother at 11. Well, she, I have let her drive out to the ranch. She could drive. She's been in my truck, and then she went so far out, she popped my tire in the middle of nowhere. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> stick to the road. I've heard the plan going forward with her in a vehicle. I approve of this plan, by the way. Which one? <laughs> the one where she's going to get a cheap truck. Oh, my gosh. Which she, she hates absolutely those, hate. hates. Exactly. So stupid looking. That's what she's going to exactly. get. Exactly. No, actually, when we are done recording, especially if Kayla is home, you should definitely walk out there, look at her sitting next to Sean and say, I hear we're getting you a GP truck. <laughs> oh, she's already heard this plan. She's already heard this plan. Well, ago when I was dropping her off with her friends, she was pointing one out. She's like, look how fucking ugly that. Yeah. Yeah. For more information on that, go check out the 80s cheesy movie podcast episode on not one crazy summer, but uh, uh, better off dead. Better off, better dead. off dead. Yeah. Actually, then the, the following episode will be one crazy summer. Yeah, that's right. She's a, she's a hoot. She, she enjoys podcasting. So on the Titan, I have now ascertained ensign doozies. You have to guard shuttlecraft, turbo lifts. You have to watch the windows for foreign craft and nebulas. And you have to guard confined <laughs> to quarters first officers. So there's a bunch of duties for f ensigns on the Titan. So Speaking of guarding and looking out the window, the guy that was the changeling, the incident was, what do you think he was back there? Say, root for him? Or, hey, they're here? Probably. Do you think he was out there trying to, well, obviously, he was probably hoping that the other, that the other incident would go away. Which, is, isn't that, the woman that was standing beside him, isn't that also Jordy's daughter in real life? LeVar Burton's? No, no I don't think oh, so. Oh, her real life, his real life daughter. It could be. No, because his, his real life daughter is the one who's playing the daughter that's actually working with him. Okay. But there's two, right? I'm not aware. So there's two of his daughters that are in the show, like just right. actors. Right. He's actually got a real daughter that was in the show, too, I believe. That's what you're talking about? I know that he has two daughters that's going to be in the show. I don't know. And I don't know if the one that's playing his daughter, that's, that's the bridge officer, is actually his real-life daughter. No. I think, but I think the one that was looking out at the back window. Was his real-life daughter? Was his real-life daughter. I'll have to go look at it. I, I don't know yeah, for sure. Yeah, me too. I can't even remember anymore. Yeah. Well, then we still had some... I mean, we've got much more to cover, but I'm going to take a side Come trip on. right now. Let's go. Go over to uh, Metallus Prime, right? 
And we have Worf coming in there, a transform Worf. He's working on himself. And apparently, he's an expert in creating tea. Do you take sugar or not? I can see your face, Jake. You're like, I knew you could do something. Well, no. For, well, first of all, I, I actually really, really like this version of Worf. I, I think it's a good transition to older Worf in this fashion. Well, I guess you could keep your fingernails. Because he still kicks ass. And he still has that whole sense of, I'm going to list out my entire lineage as I introduce myself, Honor, and yet he's making tea. Can we just talk about the dead fate, uh, the dead pen's remark he made where he's like, you know, the headaches are on Wednesday. Did you get that part? Or, or yeah. uh, you may keep your fingernails. His dry humor, it's, I came off the couch laughing. Well, he, as, as he's gotten older, because he never had a sense of humor before, all the things that people were teasing about, Somewhere along the line, Worf woke up and got the joke. Yeah. Like data for a long time. Yeah. So beheading is early on Wednesday. I'm like, oh my God, that was so Worf. And you didn't even, you didn't even know you were missing this dialogue all this time. You know, but because it, it, you know, back in the Deep Space Nine and Next Generation days, if someone would have told him beheadings were on Tuesdays, he would have said beheadings are a good way to die. Now it's, he's going to. He was very stoic on TNG and, and DS9. So yeah. So you may keep your fingernails. That was a good one. <laughs> so we didn't actually get a lot of Vatic. Look, I still think she looks just having her sit there smoking her cigarillo on the bridge, having fun watching the other side squirm. I think that's great. Okay. Okay. Change the question. You two know more than I do. Why are the people that are driving her ship looking like birds? Why, why do they have costumes on? Are they chain links also? I don't think they're changelings. To puddle together or what? No, they're a different species. They could be, like I was saying before, they could, they be, could be a spinoff of the Gem of the Gem Hadar in some fashion, form or the other. Yeah, or they could be Gorn or whatever. I think if we look hard and go into the back catalog of TNG, I'm sure we'd find this race somewhere that has a bone to pick with Picard. I got nothing. On, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I got nothing on that one. The only thing I can think of is, is, is as I said, if they're maybe in the same fashion or form that we're talking about an offshoot of the founders that uh, were upset at the surrender, that maybe you also have an offshoot of the Jem'Hadar that never wanted to stop the war because that's really all they ever had. I don't think it's solely focused on like the Deep Space Nine lore. I think it's a combination of, of all these enemies coming together. I think they're trying to tie up a lot of remember the series is called picard so it's all about picard's enemies picard's friends how picard's actually navigating it i think we're getting a little bit in season three about character development of of ancillary characters somebody finally came in and said yeah well we need to keep this intellectual property going so it might be behoove us to look at different characters speaking of picard i like how this was the first time we ever get to hear him say, I think, I think you should start calling me number one. It was great. I had to rewind it and watch it a couple of times because that is a classic right there. It, it was what I have to admit, what I had been waiting for and expecting was for him to look at uh, Riker and go, you need to get seven up here. <laughs> that's what I was expecting. I like what we got, but that's what I was expecting. Well, they didn't seem so surprised when she was out running around the hallways with Jack. So I don't think they're really going to be worried about her being <laughs> confined anymore. Oh, no, I, I don't mean get her up here as, as in get her unconfined, but get her up here to assist in the, On the battle. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen in the next several seconds. Let's take a look at where they are. They're falling and we'll talk about how they get there, but they're falling into the gravity well, gravity well black hole, whatever you want to call it. Singularity at the heart of this nebula. We also know that the nebula is not a normal nebula, a lot of electrical discharge, a right. lot of biological stuff. So it's either, I'm thinking, the breeding ground for space whales. He <laughs> <laughs> said that was such a straight face. <laughs> or, or I think it's an entity onto its own. Heck, it could be where the travelers hang out. I think the biologic piece is what's yes. going to save them. That's what I was about to say. L Lieutenant Taviv is her name? Latif? The science officer. Yeah, the Vulcan. She keeps saying that it is part biology and signatures of um, electric. I was actually thinking until we found out that I was wrong 
that it was in some fashion or form some technology that the Shrike was using to track them. That they were actually using some sort of they weren't tracking well, maybe the they ship. Still they are. were tracking someone on it. Okay, but see they're using electrical and biological signatures and she keeps telling us that over and over and then Jack figures out that they're bleeding out, right? He's looking at the trail of blood on the ground, and that's how he gets the idea. Even though it's a gas leak or whatever that is, I think there's something still there about the biological elements that they're following. Maybe it is Jack's DNA that they're following. Perhaps. It wouldn't be Picard's anymore. So when they were talking about, when Beverly was talking about how they followed all the time on their ship and they would come in and the, and the Klingons would come and then they went to Starfleet and Starfleet was after them. If it's the change, if changelings, they can change appearances every time. So the next day they could look like Klingons, right? Yeah, but I don't think it was the actual changelings uh, who were all, who were specifically the ones there finding them. What you probably had is somebody pretending to be someone in the Klingon High Command that right. said, "Go find the ship." You had somebody pretending to be a Fenris Ranger saying, "Go find the ship." But even when Beverly was in stasis, and they were still jumping, and they were still chasing after them. It's something with Jack's DNA that that's tracing them. Uh, very likely. I think the Shrike could have destroyed the Titan by now. Could have obliterated it several times. Yeah. They, they, they want, Jack want alive. him alive. Yeah. Like I said, I think that scene where he's talking to the captain, well, he's always laying there getting operated on. And I think when he watches that trail of blood and he's coming up with that idea, I think that's important. I could be wrong, but I think it's important. But speaking of Jack, I have another question for you. Did y'all notice when he was unconscious from the gas, all the re- the red door and the red flashes that he was seeing? What do you think that is? Did you see the door? Yes, I saw the door, and, and then I saw Seven standing there in not the capacity that she was coming back to get him. It was like a vision Seven. And then they were in a red cloud. Yes. Not only that, but it almost looked like there were like vines growing up the walls and stuff like that, too. So that that could be like a planet at the center of this whole thing. <laughs> so excited. I don't know. I just think that they're meant either the Shrike was driving them to the singularity, gravity well, whatever, or it's what's going to save them. And the Shrike doesn't know about it. One or the other. I do think that they are pushed them. for. I mean, I, it was really cool. It was really cool when they kept open. Man, I, I got like Stargate flashbacks here. Every, day, every time they would open the portals and they'd fly into one and then they'd shoot, they ended up shooting themselves in the rear. I think, I don't, I don't remember ever seeing those portals in Stargate. I mean, Star Trek, have you? Now, to jump properties altogether, when the portal guns started up, my first thought was, oh my God, they're Vorlons. <laughs> so, Babylon 5? Yes. My question, though, was they're sending out the portal in, ahead of the Titan. If you open up the portal like right up against the Titan, the Titan's not going to have any maneuverability, right? So it's not going to go around. It's got to go through, which it did the first time. I think the second time it could have gone around it. It could have ducked or something. Right. So there is that. But then there is the issue of the exit and there's no like gun showing where the exit is or anything. I have questions on how the exit to the portal materializes. Yeah, because when the Titan shot, and the phasers went through it, and then they opened the portal behind them, and the phasers came out. Are you talking about the photon torpedoes? You know, torpedoes, whatever. They, and then it shot the back of the ship. Yeah, but, but the other part about it is, is and I'm going to get really goofy here. You? No, go ahead. Think, thinking about the portal, though, you're asking about the other end of the portal, is unfortunately where you're thinking three-dimensionally, the both ends of the portal are, in fact, the exact same portal. Yeah, but you're throwing the the opening out, and you're telling yes. where the opening is going to be. You're not telling uh-huh. where the exit is going to be. Y- y- they are in some fashion, form, or the other. Uh-oh. It's it's part of the program. It's the bird but people talking to each other. It, but what you what you've got is the fact that, and it's and it's kind of like the brain warping to think of it in that way. Even though they look to us in a three dimensional fashion, like the portal is in two separate places, it's actually the same hole. Think. Stargate. We're going to call it a Stargate. <laughs> Thank goodness one of us is a rocket scientist and can explain all this stuff. Not me. I just, I, I just, I just show up. I actually have <laughs> degrees in rocket science, so there you go. I could, I, I, too could, deep. I could think about it. 
and I'm a college dropout who tells doctors <laughs> that they're wrong. So you work at you're anesthesiologist, aren't you? Yeah, you. No, no, I, I, <laughs> no, I work in medical technology, but uh, awesome. but but it's it's always funny that I'm the guy who's a college dropout trying to tell a doctor they're doing it wrong. <laughs> Somebody's got to. Somebody has to say it right. All right. So what else we got? We first. I don't know how I feel about this, but the whole argument between Riker and Picard on the bridge is Picard biased. Obviously, he's making poor decisions. But Riker, like you said earlier, Riker is too. But I think when has Picard ever not been in charge in that situation? True. And when is he ever woman? Women, especially in his relationship to Riker. There are times where Riker has been able to act completely autonomously, but in concert with Picard. But it's well, never but, been but a, even then. If you if you if you look at the different times in which Riker has been in charge, you look at insurrection. Picard was not there. You look at when Picard was turned into a Borg. Picard is not there. Any time that Riker has been in charge and in command, Picard, Picard was not there. This is the first time he's ever been in command and had to share a bridge with Picard. So I'm going to go to something that I sent you guys. It was a picture of the credits, and there was a Stargazer-like ship called the USS Constance that was supposedly destroyed at museum. Wolf 3-5. No, this was not a museum piece. This was a redacted report of Wolf 359 and the USS Constance. I think that has something to do with what we're talking about, just because of the stargazer. Yeah, I think everything they show in those credits are going to have something to do with what we're watching. But if you're talking about this dynamic between Riker and Picard, you have to go back to the original series with uh, TNG and the one where Riker... The tactical game? Yeah, where Riker took over the stargazer. That's where my mind is going. I have no idea if it's right or not. But it seems to make sense, especially with what we saw in the butting heads between Riker and Picard. And in some way, they both have to get healed from their instances. Riker is reeling from Thaddeus. Picard is reeling from being turned into a synthetic and being basically placed in oblivion. He doesn't even know that Starbase 4 is closed, right? We talked about that. They both have issues. And he he made the comment that hurt Will the most. That's why he quit listening. He's like, what do he say? Um, I understand that this instinct of fear of loss and that that just pushed Riker over the edge. So okay, so what? Maybe I don't remember. It's been so long. When you're talking about the re- redacted, what do you think they're talking about there? What incident happened? It was part of Wolf Three Five Nine, which is the best of both worlds. When the Borg in, in between season three, the the big. A cliffhanger the comes in the and wipes out most of, uh, most of Starfleet at the time. And when you have Locutus as well. So okay. I think so that is Shelby. Okay. Yeah. Commander Shelby. I haven't thought about her for a while. I was, I'm still a Shelby fan, by the way. So yeah, I always liked her. Yeah. I have to go back and watch that because, okay. So you're saying your theory is that, that what was in that redacted, because it says it right there, that's all has to do with that particular episode arc. Yes. Well, well, what what was the name of the Stargazer class ship that they were on at the beginning of the last season? Oh, that the one that uh, that uh, Rios was in charge of. That yeah. that was the Stargazer, wasn't it? Oh, that's right. It was an, another version renamed Stargazer. Yeah. Okay, I'm wrong. I was wondering whether or not if we were going somewhere along the line that had to do with that same ship. I'm grasping at straws. I have no way to bring it all together. I'm sorry. I don't either yet. I'll have to admit that this is the first episode that when it ended, I went, no, 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 not there. Keep going. <laughs> the same way. And when it ended, I'm like, mm, I need, I need more. I need more. It's tricked it out a little bit longer. I don't know. I thought this was an excellent episode. There's so many things that they gave us here to follow the, follow the, the bread drums. I just, I loved all of it. I loved the whole, I think Picard is going to have to eventually, he may not do it right now, but eventually I think he'll forgive Beverly. Yep. I'm hoping that Jack and, and Picard have a relationship more than just animosity towards each other at the moment. And I can't wait for Deanna to actually come on board. It won't be next episode. And the reason why is they're still going to be stuck in the nebula. 
because Jonathan Frakes still directs the next episode, which will be amazing because, we, you know, we got this amazing episode with Jonathan Frakes directing. Right. The next episode will be the same. So the next episode is titled No Win Scenario. And the description is Picard, Riker and crew must confront the sins of their past as the Titan drifts helplessly in a mysterious space anomaly. Where's Q when you need him? Dead. Dead. Damn it. (laughs) The other thing I want to point out is that you brought it up, Shannon, and we were talking about it offline. The Fleet Museum. That's I think that's where we're going to get Jordy is that for some reason, either our Kiro crew or the villains need a fleet of ships. So they go to the fleet museum in order to get them. And start it's like still in motor cars and start them all back up. Yeah. So I think that's how we get Jordy LaForge is we go to the fleet museum. That makes sense. I like that theory. I do. It may also end up being like the closest star base to him. Because if you remember, they were headed in that direction anyway, weren't they? Shaw, yeah, Shaw had told them to go to a star base. Yeah, so it, I guess at some point we may have that's, that may just end up being the closest star base to where they are when they finally do manage to get out of this. Could be. And the other thing that I want to say is because we have all these changelings and the references to the Dominion War, I don't think Thomas Riker is off the table for the series. Yes, he is. <laughs> I think he is. Yes, he is. So the story behind Thomas Riker is that he became uh, agent in that war. And he was in the Maquis. Yeah. So he is. Yeah, he is in there. And that's why I I said before that plot is still open. Is that the that's the last time we see. Do we know if he ever if he ever made it out of a Cardassian prison, though? No, we don't. But at this point, it's still a possibility, right? I mean, he could be dead. I was going to say he. My my own thought process is most likely that he was killed in one of the bombing raids on Cardassia. I don't disagree, but hey, let me have my moment. <laughs> because the entire planet was basically devastated at the end of that whole thing. Okay, so let's go back over what we think we know. What we think we know. Oh, oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in one last thing. I apologize with to Shannon with regards to the Deep Space Nine thing. Consider the fact that we are starting to look at the intelligence side of things. And we are talking about a little bit of Deep Space Nine in. What are the chances are that somewhere along the line we get a cameo from Garrick? I was hoping you going to say, we're going to have Lars come back. But <laughs> I was honestly surprised that Sneed wasn't Quark, the Ferengi. I expected Quark. I expected him to be there. He was, he's cunning enough to do that, yeah. I'm pretty sure we're going to get some more tidbits into that universe. I mean, we have Voyager. We have Deep Space Nine alluded to at the very least. Maybe the Chief comes back. I don't know. I, I heard he is supposed to be. O'Brien? I don't know how. No, actually, I think the last thing I saw was a whole thing on how he isn't and how it's kind of like they're making fun of Cole Meany for being the one person who wasn't brought back. <laughs> I don't know. He's probably in the Fleet Museum. He's the guy that's, you know, making sure all taking these tickets. ships. Yeah. He's the one taking tickets. I was going to say maintaining all the ships, but yeah, maybe. I don't know. Okay, so you, you, you talk about the intelligence side of things. Do you think there is a reason, even though, even though Laura's, can I say, is that how you say your name? Laris? Yeah. Laris? Laris, Laris. Laris. Your girl, that you're the command of her ship, the USS Laris. Yeah. The sexy one with the pointy ears. The pointy eared honey. Yes, absolutely. I, I'm going to say I, at this point, I'm going to, I would pick her over Beverly. And that's just like crucifying myself, but still. Yes, because Laris being a couple hundred years old has grown old gracefully versus having worked on. Yes. She's so pretty. Anyway. You get me sidetracked. <laughs> Talking about old, we did some research and we found out how old Picard and Beverly Crusher were. So at the time of I'm getting it on pretty old, though. Conception, okay. Picard was 70, Beverly was 50. Still old, but possible. Hey, the rain, the waterfalls can do magic, apparently. Magic happened in the waterfall. I was thinking about this too, and I will give this a tad bit of a benefit of the doubt. If you think about the time period when this happened, it wasn't that long ago that they were all on the rejuvenation planet uh, from Star Trek Insurrection. Picard's other girlfriend. 
that's the benefit of the doubt, the suspension of disbelief I've given myself on this so one. So you're saying that even though their age hasn't changed, the body's changed back a little bit. So you're kind of rewinding yes, their, their clocks got turned back a little bit. Kind of like those little cars that you spin back long enough and let go and they go. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> hell, th- th- this, this is when Riker and Deanna finally jumped each other again. An insurrection? Yeah, he yeah. shaved off his oh, yeah, beard. Oh, bathtub, 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 yep. Yeah, what was her name? The the woman that he hooked up with, that Picard hooked up with? I can't, I can see her face, I can't remember I know, name. what is it, Donna Murphy and Angie? Angie? Is that her name? Anyway, yeah. She, she didn't last long. She has a special name in my heart. Does she know? Mm. <laughs> kind of like Lars does with me? Oh, okay. I'll take both of them. <laughs> <laughs> back to my original question do you think that there's i mean there's got to be a reason logically there's got to be a reason why she's even in this season it, it can't be just because she's in the first episode and he was going to go off with her i think because she's still in the intelligence department i think some do you think somewhere along the line she'll help the crew i i think that her she's also there for him to ride off into the sunset with at the end I, I just do. I think he'll. I think he will choose the cafe and meet her, and still be pissed at Beverly. I think he's dead, and I think Beverly and Laris are together at the cafeteria at the end. <gasps> I like this plan. I sp <laughs> sp. Now, now, now you on. mean together as in sitting at the same table together, or quote unquote together? Yes, I, I vote for yes. I'm all for yes. I bring the Long Island iced teas. <laughs> Show me your ears. <laughs> That's yours. There's <laughs> uh, point two in it. Never mind. <laughs> all right. Anything else left? Oh, I have one last question with regard to this. Considering the fact that we are talking a whole lot about the Crusher family, do you think we get an appearance from Wesley and the Travelers? I think he will show up eventually. Yes, actually, that like I mentioned, this whole nebula could be like the Traveler home or something like that. I I think that there is a possibility to bring Wesley in. I think, even though right now they set it up to make us think that the, this well is going to be a horrible thing, I think it might actually help them. Well, the other thing is, is you may not actually get Wesley. You may get the Travelers. The uh, you may get the woman who's played somebody different in every season. The the, uh, the android in the first season and the yeah Dodge Prelude to Khan in the second season. Yeah, I here's why I don't think so. I think the Star Trek IP kind of knows that whether it was them or whether it was Will Will Wheaton in this case. I think they both agree that wrong was done and they need to mend that. And they kind of did last season, but I think they need to bring it to the next level, especially since they did one more season. Like if they ended it last season where you had the death of Q, you did bring Will Wheaton in and said, hey, I'm, I'm still out here doing this stuff. That would have been great. But you did another season and you're doing it with TNG cast. See, I think he'll show up. Kind of gotta have to bring him in. If they don't, they don't. But I really, really think it would be good for them to bring him in at some point. Oh. Hell, um, he and Laris could walk off into the sunset to join the travelers. Don't take her away from me. I see what you just did there. <laughs> I see what you did. Jake. <laughs> Such a mean thing to say. Ah, it made me forget my question. <laughs> well, we've had, I think, two really really good episodes i think last week's episode wasn't great but the setup was needed it was a setup i was not impressed last week but i don't think you're supposed to because it was introducing characters it was a placeholder yes this episode was amazing i've watched it about three times now every time i go in and i find something else i love about it like i did only the second time around did i notice the, the red door that the jack was looking at I kind of had a feeling about this episode. So Wednesday morning, I woke up a little late. I wanted to wake up at 3 a.m., which is when the episode drops and watched it. I was so tired. Work has been really incredible this week. So I didn't get up until 5, and I was I work out at 5. I have to do physical therapy to work out at 5. So I'm working out at 5, and I want to get this in before work. So 
I start playing my computer on a browser and I have a program that'll speed it up. So I was watching it at like 1.5 to 1.8 speed as I'm working out just to get the story in. I got it in. I'm so glad I did because it was so amazing. But then I had to go back and I'm like, okay, tonight I'm going to, which was last night, I'm going to sit down. I'm just going to watch it without taking any notes or anything just to enjoy it. So I know what the story is, but I'm just going to enjoy it. I didn't want to be spoiled. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to watch it. And then after that second time that I watched it and was like, (laughs) 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 and then you got to take the notes. And then I I went back and I I watched it another couple of times to take notes. And I think that was getting the most enjoyment for me out of this whole thing. I did. I watched it four times so far. might watch it another time as I'm editing this episode. It was amazing. We didn't talk a lot about it just because of all the amazing dialogue and character development and everything. But I do think that whole portal scene in the space battle stuff was just amazing. Amazing. It was truly amazing. I don't think we've ever seen that kind of stuff in, in Star. I mean, you see that in Stargate, but you don't see it here. I think what they were trying to demonstrate was in some fashion or form to show how far advanced that ship is technologically compared to what you've got in Starfleet. And, and Vatic is always talking, and, and the crew on Vatic's ship's like, the, the weapon is loaded. So they, they're thinking of it as a weapon. I mean, so far we haven't seen it do anything other than open up and drop you out someplace else, but how could it be used as a weapon? We haven't seen that yet. Well, you can... Yes, we have. Yeah. You can open up a portal in the middle of the ship. Yeah, that'd be bad. Think about Stargate, when you had the Stargate open halfway up. Halfway in, halfway out. Yeah, you had people's brains cut, you had, you know, uh, material and vehicles cut in half that way. Yeah, it's it can be used as a weapon. Absolutely. Definitely a weapon. I mean, it, it was used to launch their own torpedoes back at them. It was used as a terrorist weapon. Do you think you know? this is the weapon that was stolen at Daystrom? I think lore. I think it's one of them. I think lore was stolen at Daystrom. Yes. Okay. So tell me again how. Even I'm a Trekkie, I can't remember all these episodes anymore. How does Tasha Yar's daughter fit into it? What's your theory? Well, she uh, somewhere along the line, I think we're coming back to the idea of the destruction of Romulus. Because if you remember, she was rather high up in, in Romulan com- uh, uh, fleet command when she was, when the T- when TNG was going on, when there was that antagonism between the Romulans and Starfleet. That was, cause, that was about to cause the war. I think we're still coming back to the fact that some people are holding it against people like Picard for not being able to save more people like they were for Spock for not being able to get rid of the um, explosion to begin with, uh, which that even didn't make any sense, but that's neither here nor there. So she's in the same timeline? Yes. yes. The daughter. Okay. So when... So... Mm, I have so many questions. It's running through my head. So, Lord being stolen from Daystrom, who do you think stole him? Sella. Okay. I think Sella's driving a lot of what's going on here. I think she's allied herself with, with the Dominion. Definitely with the Dominion. Not only that, she, in a rather illogical, convoluted way, actually blames Picard for her mother's death. Yep. Because they didn't say in that, in that timeline, because they sent him back. Which, once again, not since since she obviously doesn't know everything that's happened the way we watching a television show does, she doesn't know that if, that even if Picard had taken her mother back with him, that she would have immediately ceased to exist. With that said, she uh, um, is basically harboring anger for the fact that Picard let her go back in time to be captured and become Romulan. So she stole lore. Lore's is their ticket in to helping them get the TNG crew to believe in him. Well, they're going to know it's Lore right away because Data died on, in, on the last one. They're going to know exactly who it is. But somewhere along the line, you know, think about every time you've seen a TNG episode in which Data has had to, for whatever reason, whether it be for a good reason or because someone else reprogrammed him, had to go up against the entire TNG crew and wiped the floor with them. Do you not think Lore has the same yeah, capability? I do. So, yeah. You know, every time that Data has, ha- has been antagonistic, no one's been able to stop it. So, Sela would be the boss. 
Laura is the one that's given an intel and Vatic's the one that's running it. Yeah, Vatic's just like the pirate right now that's... She's the one that's the paid running to run the show. I will agree with Beverly. She has a warship. It's not a pirate ship. It is a warship, right? But Right, a big one. She is being the pirate in this whole thing right now. I'm already been disappointed by one thing by finding out that, yes, Jack is, in fact, the love child of Picard and um, Beverly. I think there was a better storytelling way to do that. I, I, I agree. However, if we find out that Vedic is nothing more than a hired hand, that will also re- disappoint me. She's got to have a reason to be there. Changeling. Uh, I, that I would buy. But I, I need I need a reason versus just her being a hire. How did they get a changeling spy on the ship? He he, he walked on looking uh, like uh, he uh. was a Starfleet officer. It's just that simple. Go back to Star Trek: The Undiscovered Country. Her father's character he came out of nowhere. You know she could be the same thing. General Chang. Yeah, yeah. She she doesn't have to be anybody. She's just like the baddie that we're seeing right now until the real baddies are revealed. But General Chang had purpose. You know, he wasn't just a hireling, a throwaway character. Even if it was a not very well thought out purpose, it was still a purpose. (laughs) I'm going to be. What does the pirate want to do? They want to sow discord and they want to get paid. R and pillage. I'm not going to say the word. (laughs) R. But but and and I agree with you that that may very well be who and what she is. I'm just saying that I will I would be somewhat disappointed if that's all she turned out to be. She was an amazing character last episode with all of three minutes of screen time. We got nothing exactly. From her. We got nothing from her this episode. I'm waiting for the time that some of the TNG crew's going to board her ship and take over. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. They could I'd be use... disappointed to watch the, watch the ship get destroyed. That's a nice looking ship. Yeah, I think they're going to use this nebula or whatever to destroy the ship and then limp out of it. I don't think the ship is going to come after them from here on in. I could be wrong about that because they need to transport the portal device. Well, the ship wouldn't go that far into the nebula on purpose. They pull back. There's something in the nebula that they can't even handle. Yeah. I'd... So we're just it, so widely speculating. it could be the travelers again. Yeah. It's all widely speculation. I don't know. Again, I still think there's going to be more further conversation between Picard and Beverly because I don't think even standing over their their almost dying son is going to be enough to make him forgive her. She's got a little bit more explaining to do. I did I did think it was quite emotional with a tear running down her eye. I didn't see that the first time, but still. I do think Sean would agree with me on the nebula in that it is the breeding ground for space whales. <laughs> Okay. I can totally see y'all having that conversation. If it turns out that that's where the space jellyfish mate for from uh, adventure at Farpoint, I'm once again I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> Bringing it back all the way to the beginning, right? You can't have this without encounter at Farpoint. We were setting it up last last season with Q. So next time we're going to come back and we're going to discuss and we're going to have fun talking about no win scenarios. This is going to be a fun one, I think. I don't know where we're going after that, but I'm along for the ride. You guys ready for the ride? I don't know where we're going each time we have an ending of an episode. I'm like, oh, because I'm still, I'm still real. This one was amazing. It's very cinematic. It felt like a movie. But because I had homework to do, I'm like, what the heck's a changeling, right? I'm sorry. I felt I am not a Deep Space Nine fan. So, but I had to go back and Google lots of things the other day. I still love at the end of the at the end of each episode. I still love that they've done this, that they brought the crew back together. And I honestly don't care where they go. I'm just happy to be along for the ride. The one thing that I wish they would have done is they would have adopted the Marvel Cinematic Universe and done a post credit scene or a mid credit scene to lead you into the next episode. I wish they would have done that, but they did. Yep, yeah. that'd be nice, wouldn't it? If we wait till the very end of the credits. Yeah, I just want to. I just want to wait till next Thursday. <laughs> Is that what uh, Section 35 does? Just Thursday to Thursday to Thursday? Well, well, well once again, we're the crazies. So, yes, it's going to drive us nuts. That's what it's there for. No, the beheadings happen on Wednesdays. <laughs> beheadings happens on Wednesdays. Section 35 takes over on Thursdays. Exactly. It's a good day to die. Well, that's it for this week. We'll see everybody next time. Bye. Bye, guys. Oh, I'm still waiting on me to say bye. Well, I was waiting on you, Jake. <laughs> See ya!
We're looking right at you. Come on. <laughs> you gotta give me hand signals. Here's a trick signal. Let me say goodbye. <laughs> Dork. Sorry. Goodbye. <laughs> Stop. This has been an episode of the Strange New Worlds Fancast P3 Edition. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, you can find us at strangenewworlds.podbean.com for more podcasts on Strange New Worlds and the Picard final season. If you'd like to contact us, you can hit us up via email at strangenewworldsfancast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Trek underscore worlds. We are a part of the Lone Wolf Podcast Network. You can hear more of this cast and other shows like it by checking us out at lonewolfpodcasts.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. I'm not sure if it's an everything again. I just know that they said your roller coaster days riding are over. I'm like, I don't permanent or it's not surprising i mean they fooled around in your uh, brain pan enough to the point where i'm sure that they don't want to jiggle things any more than they have to well just the weekend before i took carrie to six bikes and we rode a roller coaster and it wasn't a big one it wasn't a hard one but it shook enough that i was i remember coming off the ride and hanging onto the back of my head where all of it was hurting but that's normal for me because my migraines always happen there so and then less than a week later schmack so I will stay off. Sounds the like roller sounds like your roller coaster riding days are over. Yeah, damn it. Unless there's a planet wide Armageddon, and you need to quickly depart the planet on a rocket ship that acts like a roller coaster. I would take the kitty rides. <laughs> Never see Titan AE. There's no way around it. You have to go. <laughs> No, I mean, I've, I finally got Section 35 figured out. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. It's starting to get traction. We can't just leave it. Psychological operations, if you weren't crazy, we'll help you. And our mascot is Corporal Klinger. <laughs> Klinger. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the excuses that Beverly gave was enough. I understand her reasonings and fear. But I don't think they should have lasted 20 years because clearly Picard wasn't still in that danger for 20 years. Well, I think the the other part is she admitted that she had reached a point where Jack had gotten old enough that she was leaving it up to him to make contact if he wanted. Still, okay. So still at that point, just because Jack doesn't want to make contact doesn't mean at that point you can't tell Picard, hey, you got a son. He's over here if you want to make contact on yourself. Do you think that if Jack doesn't want to make contact, do you not think Picard respects the fact that his son is not ready to make contact with him? No, I think he's going to corner him and say what the Exactly. So that's why she didn't do it. Yeah, Picard reeled. He said it's irreparable, right? So he was not Picard is like, it's done. I've missed out on all this. I'm going to move on. But Picard is just pissed at this point. I mean, he's just pissed. His, even his, his old judgment system is just thrown yeah. off. He's just so pissed. I'm really, I'm really excited for more conversations between him and Beverly because, again, being the chick on this, I'm not on her side on this. I don't think that she should have kept that from him for that long. But she had her own fears. I get it. But again, long after Picard left, and wasn't it in the first season of Picard when he was talking about when he did the interview and he didn't want to have anything to do with Starfleet and it was all about the Romulans and the war that happened and he wanted to help Rom and remember because he thought Stargate uh saying that word. He kept thinking that, that the Starfleet didn't do enough in the, in the war. Yes. Well, even then <laughs> what you may be finding out because as we've talked about, Starfleet is changing. He's been home at his chateau for quite a while. Yeah, but, but Starfleet has been changing. Starfleet has become a more a political animal than it's always has been in the past. Right, but what Less I'm saying honorable is... And, and so, but my point is, is that that's what he was experiencing then. But we also may be finding out that you may have had changelings and founders manipulating things behind the scenes, pretending to be so-and-so and so-and-so the whole way through. If she's kept their son this entire time is because she's afraid that he will be used against Picard. No, that's not what she's worried about. She's worried about him being standing next to Picard when Picard gets blowed up. 
she's pretty much convinced that Picard ain't going to make it out of this that world. Picard would get it, that, that Picard would get the son killed. Yes. I don't know. It's a tight spot. I just, again, 20 be, years be, is a long because, time. Because at the same time, when you, when you look at, at what you know of Jack, is he um, actually the type to sit around and not no. be part of things? I like how he punched the guard in front of Seven's door. He's like, yeah, well, and then he clocked him. That was a good punch. You're insane. That was a good line. I don't know. I thought this was great. So I could go the other way around on the guard of, so you're guarding and you're supposed to know what you're doing, and yet you allow this whippersnapper to knock you out with one punch. One punch. It's all it took. And he's a big dude. And he dropped like a sack of potatoes. Well, Jack hit the button. <laughs> His hair grew back. It just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Shannon. But it's itching right at the scar incision. So I guess there's hair growing over that incision, but it starts to itch. And every time I touch that incision, it's still very tender. Too tender. Yeah. I guess it's going to be, I don't know how long it's going to be tender, but I'm sure it's going to be there for a while. So you can't ride roller coasters. Can you like work out, walk, or are you supposed to stay fit or? I think I can do pretty much anything. I just, they don't want me on, I guess the roller coasters because they shake you too much. I asked the doctors if I could stick a horseback ride and they go, oh, yeah, sure. So I don't think that kind of, Walking on the horse is going to aggravate, but roller coasters. And I wouldn't go jump on the trampoline. I don't know. Sunday, I'm going to go skating. Sunday with the Girl Scouts. So that's going to be my first adventure back on wheels. But if I fall, which I don't normally do, but if I fall, you're going to go down on your knees and catch yourself. But I ain't wearing a helmet. I can tell you that. <laughs> ain't happening. Ain't happening. <laughs> Energize. <laughs> 